Welcome and thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. The podcast is distributed on these platforms every Friday and is included in the NAHU's weekly member-exclusive health policy newsletter, The Washington Update, giving you a head start on your weekly healthcare happy hour. Welcome, folks, to the last podcast of the year and the last ever NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, because the next time you listen, we will be the NAPIP Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Benefits and Insurance Professionals. Last week, the agencies released a host of relevant regulatory content, including a new Medicare Advantage and Part D proposed rule that would impact independent agents. On this week's episode of the Healthcare Happy Hour, NAHU's Marcy Buckner is back to discuss this proposal, as well as several other proposed and final rules that we saw last week. So let's get into the CMS proposed rule on MA and Part D marketing. I just mentioned that there are provisions in this proposed rule that impact agents. Would you mind outlining the relevant sections for our listeners? Well, Dan, I'm going to start with the provisions that alter some of the previous rules requirements for the recording of enrollment calls. And then I'll go into some of the other aspects of the rule that impact agents and brokers, but are are not related to the call recordings. If you all remember from earlier this year, we had the Medicare marketing rule that was put into place and finalized that required agents and brokers, well, it required third-party marketing organizations, and in that definition included independent agents and brokers to record all marketing and enrollment calls. And when we asked CMS for clarification on that and what they were indicating would be marketing and enrollment calls, they said any call that could lead to an enrollment. And so there were some interpretations that that meant if you are even just on a call with a beneficiary and you are setting up an appointment that could later in that later appointment lead to an enrollment that that initial call just scheduling a a meeting could be included in that and so they have clarified that it, it it's it's not those those other calls where you're answering just one-off questions or scheduling appointments, that it's really that total enrollment call when you're going through the plans, and that's what needs to be recorded. So they did clarify that, which is helpful and will limit the amount of calls you all will have to record. We will be commenting once again with a host of different issues that we do have with the call recordings, but I want to point out that they are making this change. And again, this is a proposed rule, so it has to go through the comment process before it's finalized. So these changes don't go into place immediately. They will take some time while they go through the comment process from different stakeholders, but they are looking at making a change to that. They, they did specifically mention that they are, are not revising the definition of TPMO to take agents and brokers out. They are aware that that is a request of ours and that they are not going to be altering the requirements 
dependent on the the size of of an agency. So one of our suggestions earlier was that since many large agencies and FMOs are able to and probably were already recording these calls, that this burden was was much heavier on the independent agents and smaller agencies. But they did say that they are are not going to take that into consideration into this rulemaking. But we're really just clarifying that piece on uh, what an enrollment and marketing call is. Also on the call recording piece, they include a section, once again, clarifying and and codifying that Zoom and Skype or FaceTime calls are considered calls and that they also would need to be recorded. That was another piece that came out from a number of our different questions for them and information that was conflicting that was coming up from, from carriers and CMS. And so they do confirm that Zoom and any other type of internet call like that, they do consider telephonic and needs to be recorded. So switching gears to pieces that were different and not simply clarifying what we had in the previous rule, they do talk a lot about um, providing a checklist for agents and brokers, and they are very specific that it's not a script, but a list of things and items that they feel are necessary for an enrollment for a beneficiary to, to truly understand what they are enrolling in and the products they're enrolling in. So where I, I know many of you probably already have something similar in place where you go through the items uh, for enrollment with the beneficiaries, we think that this could be something that could be very helpful when we're asking CMS what type of complaints they're getting and why they're putting such strenuous regulations on agents and brokers, we're not always getting a clear answer of what the complaints are. Some of them are saying not everything is being covered in an enrollment conversation that they felt that needed to be discussed for a beneficiary to understand their enrollment. So by using this checklist that CMS is supposedly going to provide, we think that this will help agents and brokers to be able to really make sure they're covering all of those different items so that if their call or their enrollment is audited, there will be a simple checklist that they can show that they went through, as well as having the recording that verifies that they went through all of those different items like prescription drugs and what type of healthcare providers they need and some some of these other items. So we will be commenting on that, obviously, but we think that it may be an opportunity for agents and brokers to to really be able to reinforce that they are discussing all of these items and that the beneficiaries are well aware of what they are enrolling in when they complete their enrollment. In addition to that, there are also requirements on provider directories and making sure that those directories are up to date, which will also assist in agents and brokers making sure that they're able to match the beneficiary with the healthcare providers that they want to make sure are in their network. In addition to this, there's also some provisions on carrier oversight or really MA organizations and Part D sponsors and asking them to put into place an oversight plan to monitor agents and brokers to make sure they're in compliance and to report to CMS any activity that is not in compliance. And I think this is really in response to the way that we saw the Medicare marketing rule rolling out and a lack of communication between some some of the MA organizations and some of the Part D plans. 
This is not to say that all of them had a lack of communication. I think there just was some concern that agents and brokers weren't hearing about these requirements from the MA organizations and plan D sponsors. And so putting this oversight plan in place, I think is, is an attempt to try to make sure that communication is happening and that agents and brokers are, are hearing not just from CMS, but also from the plan sponsors that they're working with what these requirements are. And then there are also changes to the disclaimer that was put in place as a requirement in the Medicare marketing rules. And when the disclaimer was announced in the final rule, it has that requirement that you all within the first minute of a of a telephone conversation and on all printed materials and emails disclose to the beneficiary that you do not work with all MA plans in their area and that if they would like more information on all of the MA plans to contact 1-800-MEDICARE or go to medicare.gov. In response, we heard from, from many of you that do work with all of the plans in your area and you felt like you were doing an actual disservice and communicating incorrect information to beneficiaries by providing this disclaimer that you don't work with all of the MA plans. So they have altered the disclaimer so that you are able to, to make one disclaimer or the other. One that says that you do not work with all of the MA plans, but then you list the plans that you do work with and then tell the beneficiary that if they would like more information to contact Medicare. The other disclaimer is for those who do work with all of the MA plans in your area. And the disclaimer basically says that you do work with all of the MA plans, and then it does require you to list all of those plans. And then that if they would like more information to contact medicare.gov or 1-800-MEDICARE. So they're making a slight alteration there. Although in both cases, we'll have to list out the plans that you do work with. There are also a number of different pieces that I won't go through the specifics of at, at this time, but we will cover in future webinars on all of this. Some restrictions on other pieces of marketing for agents and brokers, one piece being a limitation on how long you can follow up with someone after you've given a scope of appointment, limiting it to six months. And this is an attempt so that if you have someone who signs an SOA, that you aren't following up with them 24 months later. So two years later, when they may not even remember having signed that. So really limiting the amount of time that's there before contacting a beneficiary and continuing that relationship. There are also some restrictions on when marketing events can happen following an educational event. CMS feels that there are many times when a marketing event will directly follow an educational event and that there is not enough time for a beneficiary to really process all of the information that they receive during the educational event to then be able to make a decision for what plan they would like to enroll in. So there is a limit on when a marketing event can happen, and it has to be 48 hours after the educational event if it's happening in the same location. So just like I mentioned, a few other pieces that are, are going to, to limit some interaction, and we're going to provide further details on those in a webinar in the new year in 2023. We're also going to be commenting on some of these provisions that are in place for agents and brokers, but not for ship counselors, where you know, we really do believe that a lot of these requirements, if they're being placed on agents and brokers, should also be placed on the ship counselors as well. 
And then one last piece on this that I'll mention with the advertisements and pieces that we see on television, which is really what the initial Medicare marketing role was seeking to address, you know, all of those commercials, the, the Joe Namath, the JJ Walker, and the requirements that they're, they're changing on these advertisements is that they can't just use the word Medicare. They have to list out what plans they are associated with if they're making these larger targeted ads on TV and really make it clear that if that person is, if the beneficiary calls that 1-800 number that's in the ad, that they are not calling Medicare.gov. That seems to be the confusion with beneficiaries that are are making complaints that they call these lines and they think they're calling medicare.gov for more information but they're really put through to a call center with really high pressure enrollment activities and beneficiaries are feeling pressured to enroll in something they hand over all of their information thinking that they can possibly get out of this plan later and just providing the information to try to get off the phone and then they realize that they are they were not talking to 1-800 Medicare. So they are putting more restrictions on those advertisements to make sure that they're saying what plan they are associated with and not just saying call now for Medicare coverage. So that's quite a lot of content in this proposed rule. So will NAHU be submitting any concerns we have about these to the administration? Yes, and we'll be repeating our concerns about the recording requirements in general. The things like the length of time that you have to uh, keep those recordings, which right now is up to 10 years of maintaining those enrollment or, or marketing calls. So we'll be repeating our concerns there, as well as our concerns with the disclaimer and making sure that the disclaimer is, is actually accurate, as well as some of the issues I mentioned earlier with the fact that these requirements, like the, the checklist that I mentioned and the recording requirements, are also not requirements that are placed on shift counselors. We do think that there are probably an equal amount of complaints from beneficiaries that work with agents and brokers as work with ship counselors. The, the level of, of confusion or miscommunication that they may feel happen during that beneficiary's enrollment. Outside of these provisions that you just talked about, the proposed rule also touches on mental and behavioral health. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Their attempt here is to strengthen the network adequacy requirements for MA organizations when it comes to providing behavioral health services. So what they are seeking to propose is to add clinical psychology licensed clinical social worker and prescribers of medication for opioid use disorder as types of specialties that will be evaluated as part of the network adequacy reviews and to make those specialties eligible for the telehealth credit that is already in existence. They're also seeking to amend general access to service standards to explicitly include behavioral health services, as well as to put into law existing guidance on reasonable wait times for primary care visits and standards for wait times that apply to both primary care and behavioral health services. They're also trying to clarify that some behavioral health services may qualify as emergency services and therefore are not subject to the prior authorization standards. And then last, they are looking to extend current requirements for MA organizations to establish programs to coordinate covered services with community and social services to behavioral health services programs to close equity gaps in treatment between physical and behavioral health. So 
The annual notice of benefits and payment parameters was also proposed last week. But before we discuss that, let's talk about a final rule and guidance that was also released last week, beginning with the final rule on employer reporting deadlines. So what did the agency release there? Yes. And so now we're shifting from the Medicare market over to the employer market. We received last week a final rule, and this is in response to a proposed rule that was released over a year ago that would make permanent the kind of annual extension that we have been getting on the employer side for employers to release their 1094 and 1095s by 30 days a 30-day extension from the initial January 31st deadline. And that deadline was in the law that the those needed to be released by January 31st. NEHU had repeatedly commented that this was a very short turnaround time from the end of the year to when these needed to be submitted. And so we have continuously asked for that 30-day extension. And like I mentioned, and annually almost, we seem to, to get this extension every year. So last year, they proposed to make this a permanent extension, and now we have the final rule that puts that into place. So the new deadline is 30 days from January 31st. And if you're wondering why they didn't just say March 1st or 2nd, it's because they really wanted to do that 30-day extension. And because of the occasional leap year every four years, doing a 30-day extension um, makes that date move. So that's how they're wording it. And if you were wondering why they're wording it that way, that fun leap year is why. Now moving from the employer market to the individual market, Can you discuss the guidance we received on bonuses during the OEP? Sure. And this actually initiated from guidance that we received earlier in the year. Many of you know that NEHU has been working closely with CMS regarding some of the differences in payment of commissions that some carriers had where they were paying less or no commission for special enrollment periods, SEPs, than during the open enrollment period. We have a whole separate podcast on that and and why that's dangerous, not just to your pocketbooks, but also to the market. So we had guidance that was released that made it very clear that there should be no difference in commissions that are being paid between the SEP and OEP. This led to some questions regarding bonuses and some bonus structures that may reward enrollment in OEP more than SEP. But again, the commission is the same. It's just that the bonus structure may be different during that time. And CMS released guidance that said that as long as these bonus structures don't impact the guaranteed availability provisions of the Affordable Care Act, that they are not in conflict with the equal payment of commissions during SEP and OEP. And they provide a few examples of of when these bonuses are okay. So again, these are are in compliance. And the examples are a, a bonus to incent agents and brokers to pursue and reach all populations impacted by a national emergency, such as a FEMA declared emergency a bonus to incent agents and brokers to enroll eligible consumers into marketplace coverage after they are determined to no longer be eligible for Medicaid following the end of a public emergency. 
such as the current state with COVID-19, and a bonus to incident agents and brokers to follow applicants through the entire process of resolving a data matching issue in a timely manner to ensure that the consumer remains enrolled in coverage. So those are examples that they give of situations where the availability of a bonus introduced after the beginning of OEP would not violate this. They don't provide specific examples of when there would be violations, but they do just reinforce that as long as the bonus structure does not violate the guaranteed availability provisions of the ACA, that the bonus structures are not in conflict with this rule. Okay, now let's get into the proposed 2024 Notice of Benefit and Payment Parameters also simply known as the NBPP. As usual, the proposed NBPP covers a great many areas. So let's start with one section that allows, quote, assisters to conduct certain activities. Could you expand on that? So something that's that's changed in this rule, and, and it's really interesting because it's something that previously with the Obama administration, they really discouraged and felt strongly about But they are making a a change that would allow assisters and navigators who are doing door-to-door outreach and education to assist in an enrollment at that same time that they're making that initial contact with someone door-to-door to provide education on marketplace availability. And similar to when we were talking about Medicare earlier in the podcast, where There was concern from CMS that if a marketing event happens immediately after an educational event, that there's not enough time for the beneficiary to be able to process that educational information and and make an educated decision if a marketing event happens directly after. And that was really the prior concern with allowing assisters or navigators to conduct enrollment assistance directly after knocking on someone's door to provide them with educational materials on the availability of marketplace plans. So I think our concern remains the same here as it has over the past several years when this was not allowed. We will be voicing those concerns, especially just in light of such an increased interest in the improper marketing of health plans. We want to make sure that we are protecting all consumers, especially with the upcoming end of the public emergency and so many folks that are on Medicaid potentially being marketplace eligible. We want to make sure that these people are enrolling in the correct plans for them, that they're working with licensed agents and brokers. It's not to say that navigators and assisters aren't providing adequate enrollment assistance, but it is to say that this is going to be a very special population and having someone knock on your door and then try to instigate an enrollment can feel like a pressure situation. And we want to make sure that they're able to take the time that they need to review the materials and enroll in the correct plan for them. So another big provision in the draft NBPP is a new proposed special enrollment period. So what is the proposed SEP and who would it cover? This would create an SEP for anyone who loses Medicaid or CHIP coverage. And this is really an attempt to try to smooth any gaps that could occur with the end of a public health emergency and with those people that I just referenced earlier that could be coming off of Medicaid or CHIP. It's interesting because meanwhile, right now, we are seeing Congress working on an end-of-year omnibus package, which also is seeking to address kind of the decoupling of the public health emergency with Medicaid coverage. 
And so we're seeing a lot of different activity trying to really preserve what will happen to the folks that are on Medicaid and making sure that they can maintain coverage regardless of whether it's because they are still eligible for Medicaid or if it that they need to roll over into a marketplace plan. So this SEP would give consumers 60 days before or 90 days after their loss of Medicaid or CHIP coverage to select a plan for marketplace coverage. And it gives the marketplaces additional flexibilities to decide to offer the SEP depending on the eligibility and enrollment trends for their population. So it makes it a little bit easier and nimble for the marketplace should we have differences with the types of enrollments that we're seeing with the end of a public health emergency or any future public health emergencies that could be impacted similarly. Are there any other provisions in the proposed NBPP that are relevant to our listeners? There are some provisions that would directly impact agents and brokers and your interaction with consumers. And there are two different pieces. One that would require agents and brokers to have consumers basically sign off after their information is inputted for enrollment to confirm that all of their information is correct. They are also introducing a requirement that would have agents and brokers to receive a signed, basically, attestation that the consumer is agreeing to work with the agent or broker for their enrollment. This is something that is not being required of the assisters and navigators. So we feel very strongly that if this is something that CMS feels needs to be done to protect consumers, then it needs to be something that's implemented on both agents and brokers and assisters and navigators and all types of in-person assisters. So we will be commenting on that. And again, the notice of benefit and payment parameters is in its proposed form. This is not final. Similar to the Medicare rule that we talked about earlier, it's proposed. So we will be commenting on these changes and the ways that they could impact agents and brokers. And similar to that Medicare checklist, where it is something extra that we may have to do if it is put into the final rules. So these extra pieces of verification with consumers that their information is correct and that they do agree to work with the agent or broker, it's an additional protection both for consumers and the agents to show that they have done their due diligence in working with this client. But it is something where if it's being placed on agents and brokers, it needs to be placed on all in-person assisters. And that's what we'll be commenting on here. It is now time for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour Toast of the Week. So what are we toasting to this week? This week, we are toasting to the holiday season, the new year, and our new name. Starting January 1st, we will be NABIP, the National Association of Benefits and Insurance Professionals. And next year, you'll be listening to the NABIP Healthcare Happy Hour. Cheers! Thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. For more information on NAHU's government affairs efforts or to become a member, visit NAHU.org.